Well, let's just open our life for a miracle tonight. I want you to read with me in Luke chapter 4. I want to share with you something out of Luke chapter 4. I want to talk to you, share with you about a man who got the attention of God, a man who got the attention of God or getting the attention of God. And uh, in Luke 4 verse 18, this is what Jesus said. Now, this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's just starting out. This is the first message recorded that he preached. He did many miracles, but this is the one. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost. He said, the Spirit of God has anointed me. Now, that same Holy Ghost that came upon Jesus is the same Holy Ghost that came upon men through the Bible. It's the same Spirit of God that comes into you when you get born again, that comes on you when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. God wants to empower you that your life might have impact and have purpose and have a sense of eternal value. And uh, I want to just take a couple of things out of this verse. And we're going to look at a story uh, at a man who got a miracle from God and the significance of that miracle for his life. In uh, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he's anointed me. Now I want you to see the progression of things that the Spirit of God comes on us to do. Number one, he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. God's first priority is we be reconciled to him. To preach the gospel is to enable us to communicate boldly, unashamedly, that people need to know Jesus. There is a God, there is a heaven, there is a hell, and there's a way to get right with God. Jesus' first priority was to bring people out of spiritual darkness and into relationship with himself. It's still the same priority of the Holy Ghost. When you get anointed with the Spirit of God, it's you might become a witness, a living witness, that Jesus Christ changes lives. Number one. Number two, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. The second purpose of the, the Spirit of God coming upon us is that there might be a healing of broken hearts. In relationships, God has made us as a relational being. He's made you and I to connect with people and to connect with Him. But if your life is blocked up, if you've got walls in your heart, walls in your emotions, walls of bitterness and anger and, and disappointment and hurt, they block you being intimate. How many know people can be in a marriage and yet not be intimate? You can be in a relationship and not never really know the person because of the walls in your heart. Some of you are in families where there's actually walls in the families. Jesus wants to break down the walls of the heart. So one of the purposes of the Holy Ghost is to heal those whose hearts are broken. Broken through grief, broken through abuse, broken through disappointed, uh, disappointment, or just broken because they never knew how to open up and to connect in relationship. Third thing that the Spirit of God came upon Jesus to do is to deliver, to proclaim deliverance to the captives. I love that part of it. When people have the power of God broken in their life, broken upon their life, and the anointing comes upon people, at that time the Spirit of God can move and set people free. God wants you to be free. He wants you to be free from demonic spirits. I'm talking to Ray this morning. Where's Ray? There's Ray over there. Glory to God. Well, Ray had the most amazing encounter with God. We're going to hear a testimony of him one uh, night, get him to come along and share what God has done for him. And he just literally got powerfully set free from dem demons that had touched his, touched his life, bound him for years. I've known Ray for a long time. You want to go up and talk with him afterwards? Go around there and shout him a cup of coffee. Say, Ray, tell us what Jesus did for you. Tell us what Jesus done for you. And his life's been totally set free. Isn't that right, Annika? Totally separate. She's still trying to get used to the change. A new husband, eh? But Jesus sets people free from demonic spirits. But listen, that's not all. It says, He came to preach the recovering of sight to the blind. 
Another reason the anointing comes on people and it comes on us is to bring healing, physical healing to people. I'm going to touch on this a little more in a moment because when I look at a miracle, why did Jesus say this? Why didn't he just say, oh, he's just come to heal people? Why didn't he just say he's come to heal people? Why did he say specifically recovering a sight to the blind? And you'll see that one of the things that people need more than anything else is vision. We need vision for our life. In the final last two, he says to set at liberty those who are crushed. In other words, to set you free from the restrictions, burdens, expectations, pressures that hold you down. And finally, that you might come into it. To proclaim the year of Jubilee means that you might understand and come into what the destiny God has for your life. The destiny God has for your life. Now you notice the progression. Bring you to the Lord, reconciliation. Heal your heart so you can enter relationships. Set you free of demons so you're not bound by demonic spirits. Uh, uh, Heal you physically if you need physical healing, but particularly to put vision into your life. Set you free from things that hold you back. And then begin to bring you progressively into the destiny that God has for you. That's the whole range of the work of the anointing on your life. Now what you do, we're going to pick up this thing of being set free, the area of healing. I want you to look with me at a man in... Uh, Mark chapter 10. We're going to look at a man in Mark chapter 10. Mark 10. What did you see a man here who was blind? Verse 46. And it says, They came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people, there was a great number of people, crowds around Jesus. And it says, Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timothy, or Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. He sat by the highway side begging. Now, the Bible tells of this man. Jesus walking along, got a huge crowd following him. And the Bible says there was a man called Blind Bartimaeus. That means Bartimaeus means literally the son of the unclean one. There's every chance his father was a leper. I wonder if you've ever thought what it is like to live a life where you're blind. Can you imagine what it's like to live blind? Blind. Why don't you close your eyes? You want to close your eyes just a moment? Just close your eyes. Blind. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to begin to think what it's like to be blind. I want you to think what it's like to be blind. Close your eyes and imagine what it's like. Imagine stumbling in darkness. Imagine you can't see anything. Maybe all your life you can't see anything. You're just blind. It's a world of darkness. You can hear things. You can smell things. But you can't see you can't see at all. And so that limits completely what your life will be like. Can you imagine now if tonight you were blind and you had to return to the life you once knew? You had to go out of here tonight. How would you find your way home? How would you find your way even out of the building? How would you find your way to where you live? How would you find your way around the house you live in? However would you find your way? Well, you know, I've got my eyes closed right now and I know that in front of me there's some stairs and there's a drop. So if I'm not careful, then I'm going to step on there and I'll just fall down. I could quite easily hurt myself. And so instead of being bold, instead of being able to live life to the full, I've got to cautiously and hesitantly stretch out, trying there to just sense where each step is, trying to position my feet so I can come down. Down. you see how difficult it is. You see if my eyes are open, there's just no trouble to walk like that. Think what it's like to live in a world of darkness. This is what this life, that man lived like. 
a world of darkness. The Bible talks about many different kinds of darkness and particularly about blindness. The Bible tells us that hatred, when you've got hatred in your heart, you can't see clearly. The Bible says you walk in darkness. You can't see clearly in your relationships. If you have hatred in your heart, then what you'll find is you can't see anything clearly in your relationships. And the Bible says you'll stumble, you trip over stuff. The Bible tells us very clearly of sin, sin bringing a spiritual darkness to us. When our lives are separated from God, spiritually you live in darkness. You say, well, I'm fine, I'm doing good, I can, I, I can see, I can get my way through life. But listen, you can't see at all. You can't see that you're one step from an eternity where you'll suffer alone, tormented and troubled for eternity. You can't see it. If you could see it, you'd live differently. If you could see there was an eternal destiny with God, well, you'd live differently. If you could see that you're one step away from an eternity, then you'd live completely differently, if you could see it. But if you can't see it, you'll live carelessly. And so Proverbs 29:18 it says, without, without vision, without prophetic revelation, without insight from God, we, the, people, the people dwell naked, or literally, we waste the opportunities of life. Right now, young people, you are at... A great season of your life with immense opportunities. But if you have no vision, no vision, where are you going? What's happening in your life? Do you have a vision for your life? Do you have? Sort of. Okay, sort of. So if you've got a sort of a vision, that means you see like me without my glasses, only sort of see. <laughs> I sort of can see, you know. <laughs> I can't see too good. So you can't see clearly where to go. Everything's blurry. Everything's uncertain. In fact, with my glasses, if I didn't wear the glasses, I wouldn't be allowed on the road. I'd be considered dangerous on the road. So without vision, without vision, you could be considered dangerous in life. So if you're short-sighted in that, right? Those of you short, how many of you short-sighted people here? It's horrible, isn't it, eh? Can't quite see, you know, and you're holding things up. You, know. <laughs> you wouldn't be allowed to drive. You'd be a menace on the road without good, clear vision. Isn't that right? See, so vision is crucial. Of all the, all the faculties you want, one thing you need the most is vision, where you can see and you can see into the distance. The Bible tells us that hatred will rob you of vision, sin will rob you of vision, mindsets will rob you of vision. Mindsets, just literally mindsets where you've got your mind made up about certain things. Isn't that right, Ray? Your mind's made up and you're set. How many know the demons will rob you of vision? The Bible says the God of this world blinds the people of those who don't believe the gospel. So demons will literally cloud your vision. So you think you see, but you don't see at all. And see, so one of the things that this man had, he was born blind, or he was literally blind for some period of his life. It's most likely he was born blind. It doesn't specifically say. What does it say? He was the son of an unclean man. So most likely, all of his life, he was blind. And I want to just talk, I want to show you some things about this man. The, the, this man lacked one of the major things that God wants us to have for our life. It's great to come to Christ. It is wonderful to be healed in your heart. It is great to be delivered of demons, but God wants you to live a life with vision and purpose. And if you have, you've come to Christ, you've started to connect in your relationships, you've got delivered of demons, the next thing you must have is a sense of vision and purpose and direction for your life. And then God lifts off or helps you get free of the things that limit that, and then you begin to unfold in your life where you go. So this man here, when we look at his life, we see here is a man who rose up out of darkness and got vision for his life. 
I want to share with you two or three aspects of vision, and uh, one of them is exceedingly important. So let's have a look here. And, and it says, And when he heard, there's blind Bartimaeus sitting by the hi- highway side begging. Now, I want you to see the first thing is, number one, he's sitting down. Number one, he's sitting down. The reason he's sitting down is, of course, you know, it's very hard to walk around when you're blind. Now, right now, if I close my eyes and I'm blind, I'm in real danger if I keep going. I know to stop right now, I'd be better to sit down and wait till someone help me off the stage. You see? So he was sitting down. He was sitting down. When people have no vision for their life, they sit down. They actually don't make progress in their life at all. They tend to just sit around, and they tend to actually just occupy one place and don't really move. Do you know people with no vision, and you see them, they're they're sitting in the same place in life that they were last year when you met them, and the year before when you met them, and the year before when you talk with them? They haven't gone anywhere with their life. I don't want to be such a person. I believe God is a God who unfolds progressive vision, and he wants you to have progressive vision for your life. I got some progressive lenses on my eyes. It's really great. I don't have to have one for one thing, one for the other. They're actually progressive. God wants you to have progressive vision. Once you have an ability to be able to know without a doubt why you're here, where you're going, and what you're called to do. You need to answer that. And you need to have that kind of vision for your life. We'll talk a little bit of how it comes to you. So you see this man, number one, he's sitting down. Number two, he's begging. He's begging. That means he's dependent on others to come through for him. His lifestyle is not one of empowering others. His lifestyle is one of looking to others. There's a big difference between being full and having something to give and actually needing others to come through for you. God does not want you to live a life where you're waiting someone else to come through for you. Your wife to come through for you, your husband to come through, the parents to come through for you, some of your mates to come through, the pastor to come through for you. God is not wanting you to live a life where you're sitting around, occupying the same place, never moving, never developing, never growing, never changing, and you're waiting for someone to come through for you. It won't happen. You'll stay there. And you'll remain poor. By nature of this kind of thing, he was probably quite a poor man. Because there's not a lot of people come through for you when you're in that sort of situation. You notice this? It says, uh, then he heard of Jesus of Nazareth. And I want you to see the progression of things that came about. This miracle is recorded because of some aspects of it. There was a crowd of people. Only one got the miracle. And I'm always interested when there's a crowd. I want to know what there is about the one that stands them out, that the Holy Ghost says, I'm going to write about this person. There's something about them is different. The crowd was there around Jesus, but one got the miracle. I like to find out why. Number one, he'd heard of Jesus. He heard about Jesus Christ. He must have had someone share with him. Someone must have told him. He must have heard. What did he hear? Didn't hear there was a good man. He heard that he was a man who did miracles. He heard that Jesus Christ touched the lives of other people and gave them miracles. That the blind saw, the deaf heard, the lame walked. People were raised from the dead. Friends, you've got a Bible that tells you exactly the same. You've got a Bible that records for you the miracles Jesus did, the miracles God has done through history, and you can read those and hear what Jesus has done any time you like. But friend, reading it and hearing about it is one thing, but choosing to believe it and act on it is another. What made him stand out? See, you've heard about miracles. You've heard about what God's done in the Bible. You've probably read about it, but how many times have you actually stood up and said, I am believing it's my turn. If he could get a miracle, if he could get something from God, if heaven could invade earth and the supernatural come to earth, it can happen for me too. It can happen for me too. And that's what I want. So he heard about Jesus. He didn't just hear about him. Something rose in his heart, which is called faith. He was joined to that word. 
You see, you can hear tonight, you heard about things that were done in other nations. But you see, God is not the God of other nations. He's the God of our nation too. So he's the God of our nation too. You and I need to choose to believe, to believe that God can do here what he does any place in the world. All it requires is people that are desperate enough to believe, that will believe that God does not have favorites, that God will work anywhere, anytime with any person who meets the qualifications. I know there are some seasons where God is moving in favor on nations, but listen, God has always got someone somewhere who will rise up and believe. Say, so, uh, listening to Ray and how Ray sharing his testimony of deliverance. My goodness, he rose up and believed. And for years he was blind, but then he believed. I don't know what I'm going to hear from him a little later how that happened. He believed. And believed. Faith, without faith, you don't get any miracles from God. See, tryhards don't get miracles from God. You can try very hard, but it doesn't seem to make a difference. If you want something to happen, if you want heaven to come to earth, if you want God to come to your life, there has to be something inside you that's called faith. So the first thing is he heard what Jesus had done, and faith rose in his heart. How do we know faith rose in his heart? Because when he heard that Jesus was near, he did something the others didn't do. Do you notice what it says here? He began to cry out. When he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. Now, notice how he cries out, Jesus, son of David. See, he acknowledged who Jesus was. He didn't say, Jesus, the teacher, Jesus, the prophet, Jesus, the good man. He said, Jesus, I know who you are. You're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You're the son of God. You've got power to change my life. He acknowledged who he was. Hey, one thing to know that Jesus does miracles, another thing to acknowledge him as your God of miracles. We're singing about it tonight. He gives you miracles, not just someone else, you. You probably need a miracle in some area of your life tonight. One area that you do need a miracle is the area of vision. And so this man cried. Now, of course, he cried. And as he began to cry, so the first thing we see there is there was faith rose in his heart. We see that faith rose in his heart. I want to share with you several things that happened in the story. Number one, there was a desire for a miracle. There was a passionate desire for a miracle. He wanted something from the Lord. Now, you know, a lot of people are very half-hearted. I found that passionate desire is what gets things from God. Man, you know, I, I've been in places all over the world, and the one thing that set, sets people apart is some places there's such a desire for God to move, such a hunger for God to do something, such a hunger for the supernatural. And I notice in many of the Asian nations, there's such a hunger for the supernatural. All we've got to do is start praying for people, and the supernatural starts, and think, people just get so hungry for God. I was in a meeting there, and they said, it's a leader's meeting. And I said, do you reckon there'd be any unsaved? He said, no, it's a leader's meeting. We didn't advertise it. I said, well, I feel to have a go anyway. So I prayed and had an altar call for unsaved, and sure enough, there's about a dozen of them came up. And he said, where did they come from? He said, this is a leader's meeting. We didn't even advertise. How did they even know that it was on? But you see, there was a desire, and they came along wanting something. They were hungry. They didn't just come to sit and see what was going on. They came with a desire, passionate desire. Next night, we had him out, and I, and I said, Is this, are you sure this is a leaders' meeting that wasn't advertised? And he said, Yeah. And I said, Well, how come we've got so many people? And we had the whole bottom full. We had the top full. We had him out in the back. They were sitting outside. They were sitting actually in the overflow rooms watching on the television. We had, we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them there. And others were watching in the television somewhere else. And when we had an altar call, they just come up and their streams, they come up. Heaps got saved. And then a whole lot came up. They were wanting a miracle. I want something from God. And I saw deaf ears open. I saw someone who had struggled with blindness, partial blindness, healed just like that. I didn't feel a thing, but they got a miracle. 
came back so excited that their blindness had been healed. They had night blindness. They had a tum- the lady had a tumor in the brain, and uh, she was only a young girl. She was about 20 She had a tumor in the brain, and, uh, she could- and it was so pushing on the, opti- on the nerves related to the seeing, she couldn't actually see at night. So she could see reasonably well in the day. As soon as it came out of darkness, absolutely no vision whatsoever. She had to be led by the hand. So she could never travel at night. She had to have someone accompany her at night. I didn't, she didn't even know she was healed. But she'd come up for prayer. God, give me a miracle. Didn't feel a thing. I didn't feel anything. She didn't feel anything. But she got a miracle. She went outside the meeting that later on that night. She, she's got a friend's hand and a friend. And they took hands and they sort of went out, go out to the darkness. And she was fully expecting when she got out there not to be able to see. She said, I can see. I can see then it overwhelmed her. She'd received a miracle from the Lord. She came running back in. Well, she was crying. She was laughing. She was weeping. She was hugging us. And uh, she said, I can see. And uh, this time when we went back over to Taiwan, uh, we met with the woman again. And we met and, and she had the photographs and the tumor had gone. Just like that. A brain tumor. Totally gone. Totally gone. Just like that. How come she got the miracle? She had tremendous desire. Second thing you notice he had, he had persistence. When you start to stretch out and say, I want the supernatural of God. I want what is in heaven to come into my life. Like Jesus said to pray. He said, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. I want kingdom of God. I want some of heaven to come round my life. I want the supernatural. I want the presence of God. I want his life. I want what he has. When you start to do that, there'll be heaps of people will tell you to shut up. And the crowd said, just shut up, will you? You're making a noise, and worse still, you're annoying us. Now listen, when you start to get desire in your heart for things of God, and you start to begin to cry out for God, begin to become passionate, you're going to find a lot of people will push back. Oh, don't be so, you know, don't, come on, don't go to the edge, you know. It'll be reasonable. No, no, you know, and they'll push back on you. They will push back on you. It's something about Kiwis that love to push back on those who are passionate for anything. When you've got a zeal and a fire and a passion burning, I can tell you one thing you can guarantee. The crowd, the crowd, by the way, the crowd don't get the miracles. The crowd will say, be quiet. You're annoying us. You're stirring up trouble. Stop stirring up trouble. We don't want you to be like that. We want you just to be like him. We don't mind you going to church, but don't you get passionate about Jesus Christ. We don't mind you going to church. You can do what you like, but don't come around here stirring anything up. Is that so? We're called to advance the kingdom of God and bring the kingdom of heaven into the earth. So why not have something stirred up? It's wonderful to have it stirred up. After I've been been to the church in Australia, they had the phones going hot. We caused such a stir inside that church that people were manifesting in the homes. There was stuff going on everywhere. And they've got counseling for weeks coming up. I can see it now. Just stirred it all up. And they didn't even expect anything much would happen. And on the, on, the, on the Tuesday night, you know, we had the pastor sort of looking worried whether anyone's going to turn up on a Tuesday night. And it was jam-packed in this tent. And they just came up, everyone came up, wanting something from God. And there was one guy there, he's from Uruguay, never ever been touched by God. He's just a young Christian. That night, the power of God hit him. Down he went, and he was out. He got touched by God, started to see things in the Spirit. His life changed. They said the next day, we can't believe the change in him totally changed. Had another one there and, uh, and prayed and, and there was an immediate freeing up from an infirmity and pain that the person had carried for years. Just like that. Miracle. Oh, I love to stir that up. Oh. 
Why on earth would you want a religion that hasn't got the supernatural? What possible appeal could it have for you? Why would you be happy with just Bible studies and not see the reality of the thing the Bible talks about? Jesus said that. Listen, you can search the Bible and these things speak of me, but you've got to come to me that you might have life. He wants a living God. Got a living presence and power. Amen? So, no, so number two, you've got to persist. If you want to see miracles, if you want to see God working in your life, you've got to believe God. Choose to believe what he says. Not that it happened over there. Oh, we all know it happened over there, but it happened here to you. And it can happen here to you. And you persevere. You persist. Okay, keep going. See, the next thing he did, he persisted. He cried out. Then Jesus stopped. You see, he got his persistent crying, got Jesus' attention. Third thing you notice that he did? It says, it says, notice there, it says, he cast away his garment and rose to came to Jesus. And notice what the crowd's like, of course. You know, the crowd at the time was shut up one minute and saying, oh, listen, yeah, yeah, man, you're lucky. You're going to get blessed by the Lord. It says, the Lord stood still. Why did he stand still? Because one man shouted out and wouldn't let go. One man said, I'll not let go. Now, the Bible is full of people that were like that. There's a widow woman, and she shouted and wouldn't let go. And she wouldn't let go and got God's attention. She got a miracle. In fact, you find all through the Bible, there's people that cried and got God's attention and got a miracle. They brought heaven into the earth. You see, and this man got Jesus' attention. And Jesus stopped and said, hey, bring him over here. Bring him to me. Bring him to me. I want to know about more about this guy here. And said, so notice what the crowd is. One minute they'll shut up. Next thing they'll say, hey, 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 cheer up, mate. You're doing all right. Rise. He's calling for you. He didn't call for the crowd. In fact, Jesus didn't touch any member of the crowd. He just touched the one that had faith in his heart and persistence. Now, let's hear the prayer of faith. He said, he said uh, Jesus uh, said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want my sight. I want vision. I want to see. I want my world no longer to be a world of darkness where I stumble and where I trip and where I haven't got a clue where I'm going. I want to see colors. I want to see light. I want to see the things I've smelt. I want to see the world around me. I want to see my loved ones. I want to see. I want my sight. I want my sight. Open my eyes, Lord. You see, that's the word, man, that's the cry of a man in darkness. See, we, we, we all can see, so we don't even think about it. But just put a blindfold on for a few days and see what you get like. I tell you what, you'll get terribly disoriented after a short time. You wear a blindfold for a little while, you become incredibly disoriented. Because now you haven't got what you've been leaning on, and now you've got to try and lean on something else. you actually disorient in your life. And what he wanted was vision. Now, the Bible tells very clearly, there's many different sorts of vision God can give us. The first is spiritual vision, where your eyes are opened and you begin to understand who Jesus Christ is. Your eyes are open, you understand who Jesus Christ is. You come to him, give your life to him. You understand he's the son of God. He came to die on the cross for your sins. Do you understand that? Do you understand an eternity without God, an eternity of torment, where the things that you can barely hold back now burn, where you actually burn in pain for eternity? Can you understand that? You see, our eyes need to be opened to that reality of eternity and that there's a God, a loving God, who stepped into the earth, died on the cross for our sins, represented us. Now, you see, that's the first thing you need, spiritual vision that says yes to Jesus Christ. And God's justice is met at the cross of Calvary, and you're born into the kingdom of God. Now you can begin to experience the things of God. Because if you aren't born again, you can't see anything much of God. You can't even really know much. But once you're born again, you can see. But then you've got to enter. 
So there's some other areas of vision. The Bible talks in Acts chapter 2 of the Holy Ghost being poured out and young men seeing visions. So God wants to put, wants to open your eyes to the supernatural. Of course, if your eyes and your mind are clouded with unclean stuff and memories and pictures of things that you were involved in, you need to be cleansed so that your inner man, the screen of your imagination, can start to begin to receive revelation and downloads from God. See, this is a promise that the young man shall see visions. Young people having visions of God. Young people having visions of the spirit world. Do you believe that? They see, see you can almost feel like, no, I'm not too sure whether I do. See, don't, don't bring God down to your experience. Take the word of God and bring your experience up to what God says. That's the way to do it. So you say, well, you know, I haven't had any visions. I don't know any people who had any visions. Listen, we can share with you heaps of people in the church who've had visions where the spirit world opened up and they began to see things. Even at a young age, one of my daughters was caught up into heaven at about the age of nine and got to see things that the Bible tells about. She didn't even know were in the Bible. She didn't know that much of the Bible and saw. She saw. What did she do? Well, it's just a hunger for God. Just went and lay down one day and God just took her up and she had visions. She's had them more than once. Others have had them in our family. What about you? Three people here at the encounter a treaty in had. Some of them had visions, saw into the heavens. Some people here see things. Now, you see, this is our legacy. This is what Jesus said is yours. Well, I haven't seen that. Oh, you must be blind. What you need is vision. And I know the one who can give it to you. And there's a way to get it. And it's like blind Bartimaeus. Now, then, of course, as you begin to desire God to speak to you and show you things, it starts with desire. See, whatsoever things you desire when you pray. Number one, you desire. Two, you've got to pray. Three, you've got to push through because there'll be resistance. Your mind will wander. You know, things that you saw and were exposed to will come back into your mind. So it takes time to renew the mind with the Word of God, to consciously make a decision. My mind is going to be clean. My, my imagination is going to be clean from these defiling images, so I'm positioned to get pictures from God, to see things in the Spirit. See? So there's another area of vision. And then there's another area of vision that God wants to give you, and that has to do with your purpose in life. What God wants you to do. You see, there's something else God wants to show you. He wants to show you who you are in him and what you can do in him and what he has called you to do. Now, that's important. You may not have spectacular visions of angels or things of the spirit, but everyone needs to know what I am called to do with my life. That's called vision. And it doesn't come to you like it all. It actually comes like a scroll. It actually unrolls, and God begins to unveil it to the person that says yes. Now, listen, this man here, blind Bartimaeus, I'll just finish with this. I want to show you one more thing about him. As soon as his vision came to him, as soon as he saw, the first thing he saw was Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? First thing he saw when his eyes were open was the face of Jesus Christ. First thing, first thing, he saw the Lord. Then the Bible says he followed him. He followed him in the way, which is a very clear statement. He became a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I would like to believe, although the Bible doesn't specifically state it, that in Luke 10, when Jesus laid hands on people, 10, 12 people and sent them out, and then Luke 9 he did that. Luke 10, he laid his hands on another 70. I would like to think that among that 70, one of them used to be blind Bartimaeus. But now 
He's got another name. He's no longer the son of the unclean man. He's no longer uh, got a background now and a legacy that's natural, that's limiting, that's unclean, that's blind. But someone who's got a vision, his life could count for eternity. Someone who's been empowered by Jesus Christ to go out and lay hands on others, to cast out demons, to proclaim the gospel. Someone who's discovered, I am called by God. Now listen, there's not a single person here that doesn't have a call of God for you. There is something God has called you to do. Every person. Every person. The Bible's very clear. He says we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. God has things prepared before you were born to walk in them, and he's the only one that can show you. Do not settle for something limited because you're like me, got short sight and can't see very well at all. Don't stay short-sighted. Begin, as it says in 2 Peter 1, it says, cultivate qualities of godliness in your life because if you lack these things, you're short-sighted, you can't see afar off. As we develop and walk with the Lord, notice he followed Jesus Christ. What that means is he became a committed disciple. He became connected to the church of that day. It all centered around Jesus and advancing the kingdom of God. He was willing to let Jesus talk into his life. He was willing to obey Jesus Christ. He was willing to submit his life for shaping. That's what it takes to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. You got anyone can talk into you. You got anyone speaks into you. Or are you just the lone ranger? See? None of us are called to be lone rangers. We're called to be part of a body, to be discipled, to grow in faith, and then begin to find God unfolding the vision he has for our life. What an amazing call of God is on your life. But you need God to unfold it to you. You are more than just a businessman. You're an ambassador for Christ with a specific call to accomplish some things. You're more than just a school person. You're someone with a call of God, someone with greatness in you. You're more than just a wife. You're someone with greatness in you, someone with eternity in you. You're more than just a musician. You have songs of God inside you. You're more than just a businessman. You have business endeavors for God inside you. You're more than just a teacher. You have lives to shape for eternity. You're not just an ordinary person when Jesus Christ is inside you and when he's ignited vision in your life. But you have to position yourself. He desired vision. He persevered, pushed through the resistance. He came and made it real clear to Jesus what he wanted. And having received it, he then committed to follow Jesus Christ, to walk in the word of God, to walk in the ways of Jesus and vision developed for his life. You see, he got natural vision in a moment, but his life's purpose unfolded as he walked in obedience to the word of God. You see, you may have got born into, G into the kingdom of God in a moment, but your life purpose unfolds as you walk with the Lord, as you keep saying, yes, Jesus, yes, yes. There's always something like he had to throw off an old mantle. There's always something you've got to throw off if you want to go forward with God. I wonder what you need to throw off tonight.